Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hey there, welcome to Jewelry Navigator Podcast. Today, my guest is Paul Bierker, founder of Paul Michael Jewelry in Pittsburgh, as well as Geek Jewelry, a line of superhero and science fiction inspired jewelry. A kind of modern day Renaissance jeweler with equal parts inventor and anthropologist, Paul shares his insights on how he merges new design and maker methods with traditional bench skills and a genuine interest to create jewelry treasures based on what's most important to his clients and their wishes. If you're a fan of the Avenger movie series or Star Wars, Paul makes jewelry to celebrate your fandom. Other pop culture stories he uses for his jewelry inspiration are Doctor Who, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, anime and game characters, and so much more. I found his jewelry online a few years ago and did one of my very first blog posts about him and his jewelry. This weekend, we're traveling to Pittsburgh for an event, and I will be visiting Paul in his studio on Butler Street in the Lawrenceville neighborhood in the city of Bridges. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. His insight is really inspiring. He was a joy to visit with, and I really look forward to meeting him. So without further ado, enjoy the episode. Well, this is the perfect time of year to talk about some of your jewelry because not only did I see a lot of your reposts of what you do for remaking jewelry for, Uh you know, old original settings, but also just because of your unique lines of science fiction themed jewelry. So I want you to tell me, let's let's first talk about what how you go about remaking jewelry for someone who wants to come up with a new idea with old rings. Sure. Well, yeah, I mean, as with everything, it's sort of a, you know, design is a process. It's not, uh, you know, sort of like a uh, pop pow wow. It's all here, you know. It's uh, sort of, uh, you know, yeah, what I like to do with clients is we sit down and we take a look or assess what they have and, you know, what their what their goals are. And, uh, you know, then we, uh, we sort of come to a design decision from that. And uh, that's important, you know. Um, taking an assessment, you know, a needs assessment of the customer and a needs assessment of the uh, raw materials that they have. How can we maximize what they have so that they're receiving the best value? Super important. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's one of those things that, you know, we just really want to make sure that, you know, when customers are, uh, are working with me that, you know, um, not only they get a, a value from my creativity, but they get a value from their raw materials too. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's just, it's, it's just, I mean, it's imperative for me personally, you know, it's not the best business, uh, you know, method, but, uh, you know, it really, uh, it really, uh, just helps me feel satisfied that I'm, I'm working with people and doing my best for them. Right. Right. Yeah. You have their best interests at heart. You know, of working. course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, always. Sure. And that's, that's what's important. And a lot of, a lot of the reason why I did start in jewelry navigator was so that I could introduce people to jewelers like you who do think about their clients first rather than, you know, starting from scratch with all new materials, it's going to be a lot more expensive than Mm -hmm. starting or working, you know, giving them the option to work with something that they already have, which is, I mean, that's, that's the juice. That's the good juice right there. (laughs) It it is. And, you know, and what's so cool about it too. And, you know, when you work with, you know, either me or another maker, um, I like to use the term maker when it comes to, uh, you know, just, people that can actually take everything that you have and, you know, essentially reutilize or repurpose all of the material in it. It's not like we're sending it off somewhere to, um, you know, have something made. It's sort of like, well, we can sit here and assess everything. And, uh, you know, it, it just, it, it, it works out. It works out so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so people in the Pittsburgh area or anybody who wants to come to you for a redesign, explain to them a little bit about your process because I think I remember either writing you or talking to you about you have the capability in your shop site to refine metals so that you can do everything right there on site. Yeah, sure. I mean, what I can do is, I mean, I don't actually go through a full refinement process, mm-hmm. but what I but what I can do is I can clean metal, um, you know, by, by melting it down and then by adding, you know, new alloy that usually gets depleted when you melt metal. Mm-hmm. And then we up-alloy it a little bit to make sure that it's still, you know, at its carrot, uh, at its carrot quality and things like that. Right. And that's important. Most people don't want to melt old metal because they're afraid of uh, failure, uh, you know, in casting or, you know, having some issues with the, uh, with the final product with, you know, porosity and, and air and gas in, in the metal. And um, we tend to eliminate all of that because, like I said, we can alloy up and down. We're melting the metal here. When I look at it, when I pour it, when I cast it, I can see right away if there's an issue. If there is, I just stop the process and we just make changes. We alter the recipe and, and just move forward with it. Because personally for me, I think that the spiritual aspect of, of reutilizing the metal into a new piece and having all of the stuff from the old pieces that meant so much to people, um, I think that's very important. I mean, you know, you wear something on your body for, you know, years, um, or if you have something that has like bad memories in its current form and we reform it into something that has good memories, um, that's the spiritual aspect of, of what we do. I mean, this body adornment stuff isn't just, it's not just kind of 
luxury for us. You know what I mean? For some people, that's great, and we design for that too. But for some people, I mean, the pieces that they have are super special. Like, this piece was my grandmother's, but I don't like the style. So let's just take all of grandma's assets and restyle it so you still have grandma's ring. You know, and just now it, it suits the person wearing it. And then when they hand it off to the next generation, they can do the same thing. But, you know, I tend to like to think that, uh, you know, we like to make things that are timeless. <laughs> but you, never know. you never know what the kids are going to want. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's so great about you is you can take it and change it and work with it and turn it into something brand new. I love that how you describe that because sometimes jewelry, it's kind of hard to put your finger on it. And when people challenge me or anybody in the jewelry industry saying jewelry is not important or Mm -hmm. why would you spend so much money on something? Well, why wouldn't you? It's an outward expression of who's important to you, what's important to you. And it's a reflection of what makes you unique. Yep. Yeah, and, and and literally since you know the first you know African kicked the first rough diamond out of the alluvial dust in Africa, you know eight, ten, twenty, thirty, fifty thousand years ago, um, gemstones and and colored amorphic items from the universe are just they're just spellbinding. It's just one of those things. It's like how can you not want this because it's so unique and rare and different. And yeah. you know, as we move through the millennia, um, our expertise in cutting, our expertise in creating, our expertise in you know designing have just you know turned these kind of ancient rituals into like new consumerism, which is which is great. It's cool, you know. So you can literally like, I mean, the human race has this underlying ethos in it of a. Of of, of being special or being unique or um, meditative, quiet spirituality. And sometimes this stuff encompasses all of that, you know. And, and you know, to, to bring that sort of dialogue through um, jewelry, it, it's kind of neat, you know. It is. <laughs> You're exactly right. Man, you should, you should come up with a course and sell it to GIA because... Yeah, right. <laughs> You should. I mean, that's exactly right. That's the whole. It encompasses what how what you call a spiritual aspect of of jewelry. That's awesome. It's a, it's a narrative on humanity. I mean, really, it's yeah. You know, um, you know, you always look up to the pharaohs, the priests, the you know, whatever. I mean, literally since the dawn of man and humanity, and uh, you know, this was a way that you know the uh, you know even in Egypt. Uh, this is the way that the common man could, you know, connect like spiritually with the God Kings and things like that. Um, one, by making it for the God or King two by emulating it, usually in clay or something like that, not in gold. Um, and it's just, it's just this sort of meandering narrative in, in humanity's kind of, you know, story. Mm-hmm. True. That's right. A couple of years ago, you were awarded an environmental award for your your refining processes. I kind of want to go back, circle back, just sure. so people know that that's an important part of your of your business, too. Well, I wouldn't really call it a reward, an award. It was more of a, a designation. You know, okay. we, are a, we, are a, uh, we are a gold-certified sustainable small business. 
Um, so, you know, couldn't quite get the platinum uh, level because I don't do my own uh, wastewater uh, uh, retrieval here, so I couldn't quite do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we do um, not only in, in our raw materials um, use only sustainable methods, but, you know, in our studio, like we use uh, recycled cardboard packaging. All of our packaging, including bags and tissue, are all recycled. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's just a smart thing to do, and it really takes no effort. <laughs> you know, it's not like I had to work really hard at it. I just kept being me, and it just happens to fit into that narrative, too. I, I do think that is important, and that is what's important. Today's in-flight jewelry term is sustainability. We throw the term around in conversations, and while we know it's important, have you ever really stopped to give it much more thought? The term was brought into social awareness by the Brundtland Commission, and they defined it as development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. And the Brundtland Commission was created by the United Nations in 1983 to reflect on ways to conserve our environment, our natural resources, and to prevent deterioration of economic and social development. I thought that might be helpful to be able to reflect on that a little bit because we do talk about sustainability a lot more now in almost every industry. And jewelry is one of those industries that kind of is overlooked. We don't really think a lot about what goes on behind the scenes when we make jewelry. But Paul is really good at implementing methods of sustainability in his practice of making jewelry, but also within his office and what he uses to package his his jewelry and um, all the components that go into the paper goods of his of his office. I'll be able to share a lot more and take some pictures while I'm there this weekend, but. I know you have a choice in podcasts and appreciate you choosing Jewelry Navigator. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the episode. When you work with a smaller maker, okay, somebody who's not like producing you know, hundreds of thousands of pieces in a factory with, with you know, dozens or hundreds of workers, you get to deal with somebody who is making these choices. It's not a balance sheet choice. It's not a... Uh, P&L choice, it's not anything. It's just these choices are just how smaller makers do it. And what happens, I mean, almost by de facto, it's like a built-in sort of competitive advantage for us with the big boxes is we can't really buy it on the scale that they buy, so we have to buy artisanally sourced gold, uh, gemstones that are you know, um, repurposed, recycled, uh, buying in the secondary market, buying you know, um, new innovative products that the old guard is sort of afraid of, such as lab-grown diamonds, um, you know, all of this stuff. As a small maker, we're allowed to take this and experiment with it. If Tiffany & Company did it, and it's a mistake, they'll never recover. So they mm-hmm. must continue, you know, um, using PR firms to get their narrative across, using, you know, um, you know, massive global initiatives to make sure that they're, you know, being true to what their ethos is too, because T- Tiffany and Company, like I said, is a great company, and they really, they've been struggling for the last, you know, 40, 50 years to 
how do we make sure that, you know, we're ethically sourced and we are, um, you know, the narrative of our product is that, yes, we're here to help humanity, not take from it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And, but like I said, smaller makers, it's just sort of like, hey, it's how we roll because it's just it's easy, you know. And, uh, you know, it's it's not the most profitable way to do it, but, you know, it, it's good because it's like it's right in front of us and we don't have a, a board of directors to make that decision, you know. Yeah. People and over profits. I, I just, I, I always choose people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's. You know, now that's that's the right way, and it's really the only way, especially as a smaller business. It's definitely more appealing to consumers who care to research and find out about you. And for um, I don't know if you call them millennials. I don't like categorizing people because yeah, exactly. things are changing. They're changing mm-hmm. all the time, and they're growing and and grouping people into different demographic categories. I don't I don't think that's that's the right thing to do. But anyway, it's definitely on people's minds and it's important. We have to start being smart about our resources and, you know, not messing up and not contaminating the environment. So, yeah. Well, and, and that narrative too, with respect to, you know, I find that in, in the jewelry industry, the whole narrative between, you know, Oh, these millennials, um, you know, and the derogatory aspect that is assigned to sort of this group of wonderful people mm-hmm. um, who, who, you know, just because they want things that are different than what their parents wanted, mm-hmm. just because they want something that's different than what their grandma wanted, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't make them a second-class citizen. It makes them a new consumer, which is like such a great opportunity because it helps me learn. I know for like me and my store, it helps me, you know, I I am. I tend to be somewhat of an of an empath with with respect to consumer interaction because I like to feel what my customer is feeling and I like to understand what they want. And so that when I serve up a solution, I mean, and it's almost on par every time. And you know, this whole new culture of the you know sort of eighteen to thirty five forty year old in the marketplace say they just want value. They want good design, and they want somebody to make it for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do. They don't want to be sold. This is not neurolinguistic programming 101. We are not going to guilt them into something. And that's what they used to do. And it doesn't work with these people. They're too smart. They grew up with the Internet. If they want information on something, they don't need to ask you. They can go and Google it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And yeah. our industry hates that. It hates Blue Nile. It hates all of these big online companies that are selling stuff online to these people. Um, you know, and it's like, why go to battle every day when you can go and like share and love your customer and, and things like that. And it's just by talking about things and, and being honest about things and um, ultimately giving people what they want, you know, and we right. do it by not really having inventory. I mean, you know, I make geeky stuff and I have a line and I do all of this, People buy it because they like it. They don't buy it because they're convinced to like it. Um, when it comes to bridal, which is like the biggest, toughest thing, um, you know, in the entire jewelry industry, people come to me and we talk about what their life narrative is, what their life story is, and then what we do is we craft an item around that. Instead of selling them something, we create them something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's just it's that user experience, which is, which is different. 
And, you know, by working in this direction with people who desire this, I mean, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so lucky. That's really awesome. I remember seeing your post when you started to invite people in to have a part with their, the making and the casting of their pieces. Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. still get, do you stay pretty active with that? Do you have people request that they come in and, and be a part of it? Yeah, right now it's sort of, uh, I'm, I'm working and I'm trying to raise some capital to uh, actually make a thing. Um, but there's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo I have to do. And there's a lot of uh, extra safety precautions that I need to create. But right now it's sort of a case by case kind of basis. Usually with people that, uh, you know, I have some kind of outside relationship with, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, just because, you know, it's not like a massive scale thing either. It's like, you know, maybe three or four people a month. Yeah. Um, but yes, and I do believe, and I, I believe wholeheartedly that this is the future and this is the way that I do compete with the larger, more established, more, you know, funded companies is um, by taking the user experience and, you know, not even just participation in your piece, but participation in the entire process. I was late yeah. last week. Her, her dad passed away, and uh, they were going to Morocco for, their, for her mother's 80th birthday. Like, the whole family's going to Morocco for this big birthday party for her mom. And um, so what we did is we took her father's ring that he always wore, this big gold ring with this cool sapphire in it and stuff like that. And we made a sort of a, um, a medallion for mom with her monogram on it because her initials are the same as her husband's, as her late mm-hmm. husband's. So we put that monogram on the front and on the back we put all the kids' names on it uh-huh. and then a, uh, a Moroccan rug uh, symbol, you know, because Moroccans are just notoriously famous for their incredible rugs. Um, so there was a, uh, a symbol of love and, and hope and strength. And so we put that on the back with the kids' names. And we melted dad's ring into it and everything else. And it was just the most amazing thing ever. And she got to come and watch it and film it. She didn't really want to touch the burning bell. Um, but, you know, that process will go to Morocco with them and all of her brothers and sisters and everybody else are going to see it. And they're going to be like, I'm so jealous. I, I guarantee that she's going to cry her face off. Those tears, that's what it's about. Exactly. That's a beautiful story. And yeah, that's kind of, it circles back to what we were yes. talking about earlier, how it's, I mean, not in that case, that's not just spiritual. That's like family, yeah, family heirloom to be passed on forever until they blood decide is, to change blood something. Blood thicker than water every time. Yeah. Oh my you gosh, know. Paul, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. But Do that's you have special. An, yes. You know and you know, if the product you make is that special. You know, like I said, I get goosebumps like all the time. Like people come in and it's like next thing you know, the hair's on your neck. I mean, the hair on the back of your ears. I mean, everything is just sort of like, oh my god, this is so cool. You know, without the without the market, without the people that you know are fans and that support stuff. I mean, I'm just some dude making jewelry, trying to run a business in Pittsburgh. Yeah. 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 But you're not, and you're special, and you make really unique things that resonate with with who people are and what they want to show the world what's important to them. So that's 
that's what makes you different. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Okay. That's sort of what we're shooting for, so. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, let's talk about the fan and science fiction-based jewelry as far as um, what you've seen people wear them as for for bridal Mm -hmm. sets. Sure. When we first sort of came up with the whole concept of it, like, gosh, it had to be like 2014, 2015, Mm -hmm. you know, Nobody was making anything like this in the space, you know. Like mm-hmm. there was no, I mean, there was no such thing as sort of geek jewelry, you know. Right. And uh, you know, we decided to do a couple of commissions because people were like, "Hey, I want this," and uh, I thought it just sort of like blew up, mm-hmm. it crazy. And uh, yeah, so what we're seeing now is we're seeing that I, I've been picking up a lot more commission work. Um, where people want to put their own story and their own narrative in and tie it together with pop culture. Mm-hmm. And that is super crazy neat because, you know, you're getting stuff where it's like, hey, remember when we first met, we were, you know, and we planned our first Disney trip and things like that? Um, you know, the first ride we went on together and now we're getting married. You know, I got this couple that are like total Disney fans and are like there all the time and they just, it's their thing, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we made them a, a custom engagement ring about the carousel of progress and, you know, the wedding band sort of matched and it had the braid of uh, Rapunzel in it and things like that. And it's just like, there's so many little things that just, you know, make up, it's like threads in the fabric of their life, you know? Yeah. So cool, right? I, I like to say we do a lot of work that other people tell people no. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's either people that, you know, in, in the jewelry space who are afraid to take on something that's a little weird because they're not sure how it's going to come out or they just don't quite get the content. Ultimately, they find us and, you know, we... uh we can usually pull something together pretty good. And, uh, you know, I, I find that, you know, nowadays, you know, as, as our, as our, you know, big ones, um, you know, reach maximum retail potential, um, the custom is, is, is sort of where it's at for us. R2D2 ring, you know, the, the boldly going ring. I mean, George Sakai tweeted about it. I sold like 150 of them in a weekend. I mean, oh, it was like, wow. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was just unbelievable the depth of that ring, how that thing went like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I love to see the iterations and the different styling that you've done Mm -hmm. to that because there's one that you posted that looks more like a vintage style ring. And yet you can clearly see that it originated from your, your R2D2 original design. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and that's the key too. And I think that, you know, um, the overt fandom, kind of design space is mm-hmm. um, it's still strong because people are just like, Hey, I'm a crazy RTT2 fan or I'm a, I love Star Wars um, so much that, you know, I'm like willing to like make this, you know, what I'm about, you know, on, on their ring. But there are some people who are like, you know, I really dig this, but you know, I like my stuff to be sort of classically inspired or, um, you know, not be so overtly a fandom. Right. But when somebody who's, 
you know, if you're digging, if you're, if you dig R2-D2 and then you see the, uh, the R2 inspired, you know, halo, uh, it's sort of like, whoa, that looks like R2-D2. And they're like, yeah, man, it is, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And they're like, that's so cool because it's sort of like, you know, the emotional connection with the user and the emotional connection with people or like-minded people of the user. Mm -hmm. And that's special. Yeah. That yeah. is. Yeah. So what are some of the most unusual requests that you've received for fandom-based jewelry design? You know, sometimes we get some pretty arcane things. Mm-hmm. You know, some of, the, some of the video game stuff we do, like I'm doing, I'm doing this cool ring right now based on uh, Fallout, which, uh-huh. is, uh, which is really neat. And they have, like, these little bombs and things and, you know, <laughs> gears and, and whatnot. And, you know, so we're taking like oval savarite garnets and yellow gold bands and we're making them into like these sort of like World War II type bombs, you know. And uh it's 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 super it's super cute. And uh you know, you may not get it when you look at it, um, but ultimately um it is, you know, a direct iteration of, you know, content in Fallout, you know, which is kinda cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. That's so creative. It must be so much fun to come up to see a design or someone come to you with, with ideas and then you pull it all together. But yeah. the really fun thing is figuring out how you're going to do it and then yeah. come up with actual process that can make it work. That must be so rewarding. Oh, yeah, because I can design anything on a computer, but God knows the real world is different. Yeah. There's things called gravity and friction and, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, I've made some designs that are just in the marketplace that objectively failed. It's just, you know, wow, I thought this would last a lot longer than a year, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like I made these little sword. I made these little lightsabers uh, with uh, with little glass, you know, with little glass blades. And you know, oh my God, the glass blade blades just broke every time. Like I could, I could, couldn't even make it. You know what I'm oh. saying? So it's like I sort of had to cancel it and take it out of the catalog because it's like, you know, there's about four of them out in the universe right now, and uh, <laughs> I replace a broken blade on one about once a year. So, but I stand behind it. You know what? You buy a piece of craziness from me. I'm gonna, you know, I'll take care of my babies. Hey, you know? that's. That's great. That's what that's what we want. And that's I mean that's that's what we say, you know, each one that we you know, release into the wild. It's like, you know you know, it's like the baby sea turtles always come back to nest in the freaking nest. So it's like, you know, let these baby sea turtles go out in the ocean and swim around and hang out in the Azores and then uh, come back and uh, you know, if it needs some help it needs to be fixed, bring it in, man. Yeah, yeah, good. (laughs) That's awesome. It was really nice to talk to you. You're still one of my favorites. All right, right, Paul, have a good day. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed my visit with Paul. To see his jewelry, you can visit either of his two websites at geek.jewelry. That's geek and then dot jewelry. Or... Paul Michael Design for Paul Michael Jewelry. On Instagram, you can find him at Paul Michael Jewelry. Thanks so much for joining me again, and until next time, cross check your safety clasps and sparkle. Talk to you next time. Bye bye.